we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I didn't say howdy this time. Hello. Hello. Howdy. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, hello. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And we're very proper. Yes. Yeah. We actually, we, we've we been picked a, up by PRX. Yeah. We, <laughs> we run a very serious tight ship here. It's a weird intro. Well, here we are. It's a weird day. I've had a weird day today. Yeah, you like, have. Full disclosure, it's going to be some weirdness here. Hell Not yeah. just in the topic. But in my mood and presentation, probably. Yep. So, so strap in for that. <laughs> You're in that place I usually am. I'm just like so it's beaten down by life. True. I just give up control. Yeah. Just roll with it. Yep. I, I accept. I surrender. I surrender to the forces of uncertainty. Never give up. Yeah. Never surrender. <laughs> no. So what are we talking about today? Yeah. What are we doing here? Amnesia. Amnesia. Yes. Which is quite a beautiful word for something that is really quite fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm sure literally everybody listening knows what it is, but it's a disorder of memory. It's when your memories go, go bye-bye. Yeah, like you've... You've seen Fifty First Dates, or you know what no, it's I about. I haven't seen it either. You've you've seen other movies where yeah. the person wakes up from a traumatic event and they can't access their memories, and you know, la la la. Yeah, their memories go bye bye. Yeah, I forget who they are. Um, got the kids' names. Right. Too much chili. So yes. <laughs> that begs the question: What is memory? It does. Memory is yes. complex and weird. Yeah. I don't fucking know how to answer it. I've been trying to figure out like a simple way to put it all week. And basically I came up with the idea that memory is not like, it's not a thing. It's not like a singular noun. It's a process. Mm. It's a system, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a system of exchanges and transmissions. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I don't know how accurate this is. Uh, one of, one of my good buddies, uh, his his wife is um like works in one of the top memory labs in the in the country. Cool. And I should I should have called her up. Hey, can you give us just a definition of memory? Yes, <laughs> please. But but I've heard that like every time you remember an event, you know, it gets the data gets less and less coherent, high fidelity. Like it changes. Yeah. You remember the last time you remembered it, mm-hmm. and not the actual thing. Yeah, and it's. Like a memory is not a thing that exists really materially. Like you can't look at someone else's memory. You kind of just have to trust that when they tell you about it, it's accurate or that it exists. That yeah. It really happened. You also can't really confirm that your own memories exist. They, no. they just are there. No. You just trust that they're there and you trust your own recollection. And should you? Probably not a lot. Of I don't time. know. Yeah, we put a lot of trust in ourselves to like accurately recall stuff. Turns out, mm, not really true. Yeah, we're real Pretty bad. bad. At it. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you ever seen that Black Mirror episode? Which one? Yeah, about the um the device that records your life and then you can oh, play it back. Oh yeah, and yeah. And it just yeah. causes all sorts of fucking problems. Oh god, yeah. 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 No. Also heard. Of- Imagine how many arguments that would. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Oh. Oh, did you say that? Well, let's go back. Play it back. And then, then you have to reinterpret, like you're interpreting this event from a whole Yes. Day. It's all fucked up. Then there's also, I've heard a story about it, a dude who has perfect memory. 
That's so also like, a curse. Oh my God. It sounds so miserable. Like he, it's so good that you can ask him, Hey, what'd you have for breakfast on, uh, April 14th, 1992. And he'll just be like, Oh, I had three sausage links, one egg over easy. And the yolk was kind of broken the way I don't like, like he remembers literally everything. And he is damn near constantly suicidal because it's just the most, it's too much. You, you're just always reliving too- all your failings, all your embarrassments, all yes. the shit, heartbreak. Oh, Every time you see something, you're reliving every single other time that you've seen it because you can recall every single other memory you have of it. Makes me need to take another hit of weed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, even though you can't travel into someone's mind and access their memories, it's pretty obvious to understand like how someone's life experiences and their perception of their life experiences impacts the way that they interact with the world. Sure. You know, so in that in that way, memory is very much a a real thing that affects you. Absolutely. Like um, your episodic memory. Yeah. It's basically your autobiography of your life. Yeah. You know, it's the thing that informs your presence and role in specific events when you recall things that have happened in your life, gives you a sense of time and personal identity in the world. So imagine now that's gone. You have no more personal memories. You're just a blank slate tabula rasa. Like none of those personal things have ever happened. Would it Running be terrifying? Wave, waving my dick around an airport. Yeah. Or would it be freeing? You know, like. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Probably. Like what would happen? Would you still be Sequoia Kennedy without your attachment to your personal memories and your sense of yourself in them? Would you still be you? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right. I have to imagine somewhat because with like a lot of these cases, if I and we're about to get to them, but like. They still know how to speak. Yeah. Right. Like, so like it's that's memory. Right. So first we're going to pull our tarot card real quick. We're going to draw that, talk about it at the end of the episode. And then we're going to talk more about memory, the mechanisms of it, because I think that that'll help set us up for a more flavorful discussion. Excellent. Of the three case studies that we're going to be looking into. Excellent. Yes. This is extremely appropriate. It's the hermit. Oh, reversed. oh, wow. So it's like pulling all these reverse cards. I don't even I don't even like it. Yeah, I know. But it is the hermit in, in his reversed aspect. This makes sense to me. Reverse. Yeah, hermit. no, it does. I'll, I'll have words for it um, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. The more we go on. But yeah, that definitely makes sense. Let me see. Uh, one second. Memory all alone in the moonlight. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Could, could. Cats fucking. No, no, we're not playing any cats tracks on this podcast.
So on the topic of memory, do you ever think about how many people have memories of you that you don't have of yourself? Just like shit you have no conscious awareness of. There's just like this version of you that exists in other people's head that you have no control over. Oh, I'm constantly thinking of it. I'm sure they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a couple different types of amnesia. <laughs> there's um, retrograde amnesia, which is when people forget their past. Yep. And then there's anterograde, where people can remember the past, but they have trouble forming new memories. Like since the an event or something? Yeah, since the okay. inciting event. It can be... Amnesia can be organic, like from a brain injury or a head injury. Yeah, yeah. Or it can be psychogenic, Just, purely psychological. Jesus. And it's not uncommon. That's fucked up. Yeah. So we're going to have a mini lesson now. Does that mean that like there's a route you can go down with your thoughts that'll just brick you? Yes. Jesus Christ. That's the most horrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I'm going to be so scared of that for about three months. Oh, good. So you ready to learn? No, it's, I'm scared of learning now. Okay. Because <laughs> we're going to have a lesson on implicit versus explicit memory, which are okay. both types of long-term memory. All right. So implicit memory, also known as procedural memory. Okay. It's things that you remember unconsciously and automatically with repetition, like how to ride a bike. Or when you just automatically remember the words to a song that you maybe haven't even heard or thought about in years, but you just know the words to that song. Sure. Yeah. Or uh, like me with that Harriet Tubman song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or behaviors that were, you know, adaptive and functional during childhood, like biting your nails to soothe yourself, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Now you keep doing that. It's just automatic. You don't really mean to just, oh my God, all of a sudden your hands in your mouth. Yeah. 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 This part of your memory, your implicit memory, it relates to skills and tasks, you know? So, well, we talked about this in the last uh, bonus episode, Tetris mm -hmm. triggers procedural memory, but also like, I don't know, dribbling, like playing basketball would probably be, Yeah. although that you're getting into muscle memory territory too. No, you could but... still like play basketball. Okay. So procedural memory would be shit like that. Yeah. Or, or implicit memory. Yeah. Um, um, musical instruments. Yep. Playing yeah. an instrument, playing piano. Yeah. So, uh. Usually damage to the basal ganglia is what causes impaired implicit memory. Right. But um, yeah, even in severe cases of amnesia, people usually retain a good portion of their implicit memories. Like, you know, they can probably recall some childhood events or at least like buildings, uh, perceptual motor memories intact. Like they know how to brush their teeth and that they should. Yeah. You know, they don't lose the ability to speak or how to socialize, how to carry on a conversation. Like you can still do that just fine. Dude, that's so... Interesting, because one of one of the uh, potential causes of OCD is damaged basal ganglia, mm. and that's sort of when um, strep throat. I forget what the syndrome is. I think that's what happened to me when a childhood strep throat um, damages basal ganglia. Yeah, and causes OCD. And like such a common a a common um, symptom of OCD is the checking thing, mm -hmm. like having to be late for work all the fucking time because you can't remember if you turned off the coffee pot and you're sure that's going to burn down your fucking house yeah. but like these like like regular things that you don't remember if you did mm -hmm. whereas like normal people are just like yeah yeah of course i turned off the yeah. coffee pot of course and i've also always like likened it to like not being able to learn the lesson of not touching a hot stove a hot stove right so you just keep fucking touching it over and over yeah. again i don't know that's that's interesting brain's weird mm-hmm 
I think that that's probably more common than you'd think that sensation of, oh shit, did I unplug my hair straightener or did I, did I turn off the oven? Do you ever go back and do it five times though? Not five times, but once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely once. What I do before I leave the house, I walk into every room and I just stand there and I do a scan of the room. <laughs> and I do that in every single room of the house before I leave, just because I know that I will forget shit. You're just if I don't glaring at your surroundings. Yep. Just do a scan. Just think, is there anything I need in this room? It's, I mean, that's good practice. I should start doing that. <laughs> it, it helps. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> takes time, but so does returning five times. <laughs> yeah. It's how you can't hold a fucking God job. Damn it. <laughs> <sighs> Explicit memory, otherwise known as. Declarative memory. These are things that you have to consciously choose to recall or are brought into your awareness through association. So like events and experiences in your life, uh, those episodic autobiographical memories we spoke yeah, yeah. about, that's part of your explicit memory, as well as uh, semantic memory, which relates to facts and concepts. So yeah. Like when you're recalling uh, factual information, maybe on a multiple choice question, and you remember the correct answer by seeing it amongst the other answers. Yeah. That's like semantic memory and, and work. I mean, I'm fantastic at that type of memory. Yeah. So uh, other examples of explicit memories, like recalling your phone number or... I'm the best at that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like you smell something cooking, like cookies. Yeah, yeah. Something baking, and it reminds you of like your grandma. Yeah, yeah. Memory that you have. Sure. That's your explicit memory being triggered. Or maybe you hear yelling and it reminds you of your parents fighting. Right, right. Yeah, that's also your explicit memory being triggered. Oh, uh, yeah. That involves the hippocampus and the medial part of the temporal lobe. Interesting. Yes. So people with anterograde amnesia, the type that makes you unable to form new memories. Yeah. They're the ones who usually suffer from deficits to their explicit memory or put more simply their ability to consciously recall information, either a you know, about themselves or just facts in general. Right, right. Which is why um, they they still dreamed about Tetris after playing it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So the hippocampus is responsible for consolidation of short-term memory into long-term memory. Okay. So without that channel to consolidate the short-term into the long-term, you can perform tasks, but you won't like really remember anything yeah. that you learned from them or that you even did them. So therefore you kind of become like trapped in time, unable to oh, form any new memories, but you maintain your implicit memory. So you can still play the piano as well as you always did. Would you be able to get better at playing the piano? No. Mm. Yeah. You won't be able to remember that you even like practice that day. Yeah. But if they're like, will your procedural memory get stronger? Probably. Or, yeah. Interesting. But yeah, like you said with the Tetris, that's why in their dreams, or at night, it can remember yeah. playing the Tetris, but it doesn't get stored in their memory. It's like you got two people in, in their you. long-term memory. Yeah. Hmm. How many people do you have in you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so episodic amnesia—that's a form of amnesia associated with uh, the loss of your personal memories only. Usually has to do with uh, frontal lobe injuries, okay, or just psychiatric disorders. So patients with episodic amnesia, it's usually, if you were to look at their brain, they have 
reduced activity in their frontal lobe, which blocks the retrieval of those autobiographical memories. So it's almost like you can block yourself off from remembering things that are too traumatic or that you don't want to remember. Right, right, right. Here's a case study, right? Here's our patient. Their name's Casey. Casey. Yes. Their short-term memories are intact. Cognitive abilities intact, can still play chess, can still do all of the other things. Knows facts about himself, but has no memory for events that included him personally. So he can recall things about himself, like, my birthday is on this date. What? Or, but he, uh, he doesn't remember what, what he did right. for any of his birthdays. Right. Weird. He's unable to describe an event that took place in school that specifically included him, but could recall going to school and the knowledge he gained there. But he just can't remember being at school, anything that he did there, being in class. That's so strange. Like, he knows he was there. It just doesn't, he's not really included in the memory. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess it's just one of those things that I'm not going to be able to imagine. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to. I don't know what that. I don't think you want to. Yeah, that's one of those thought paths. Yep. Yeah. So now that we know a bit about amnesia in the brain, we can get into some uh, some of these case studies of people who have had or claim to have had amnesia. The first being one Lawrence Joseph Bader. Larry Joe. Larry Joe. Seemed by all accounts as though Lawrence Joseph Bader was living a happy family life. Mm. He was working as a kitchen appliance salesman and enjoyed archery and other outdoorsy activities in his spare time. He had won a tri-state archery contest, and he wore genuine buckskin when hunting. Hmm. You know, just let him know. Let the deer know. Hey, I'm, I'm wearing you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a friend who recalled him as a red-blooded, beer-drinking, all-around nice guy who could talk your ear off and you'd love to sit and listen. He was a family man, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've already got some opinions. So... Yeah. In 1950, I know this guy. Yeah. I know, I know he was, what he's thinking. He's, he's 30 years old. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. 1957. Yeah. He's, he's got his little career as a kitchen appliance salesman. A lovely wife named Mary Lou. She's four months pregnant oh. with their fourth child, just pumping them out, just fucking <laughs> pumping and dumping. And like, he also hadn't paid any uh, income tax in five years. Oh, no. And he had recently boosted his life insurance clause in the case of accidental death. But, you know, oh, life was good. Nothing suspicious to see here. You know, not, nothing suspicious about that. It was very distressing and confusing to his family when uh, Larry never returned from what was supposed to be a short fishing trip on May 15th, 1957. So would you say he got his work done? I guess. Yeah. Do you remember that joke? Do I have to explain it again? Yes. Alien love bites. She got her work done. She got her work done. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yep. He got his work done. He got his work done, yeah. <laughs> the afternoon of May 15th, uh, Larry rented a boat at the Rocky River. Something was brewing that day. Something bad. Something bad was brewing. Yeah. Larry was warned about the weather. You see, the skies were clear, but a storm was on its way. Larry didn't care, though. Yeah. At 4.30 p.m., he set sail in the rented motorboat, the motorboat that was found on shore three hours later, without Larry in it. Oh, no. Yeah. The Coast Guard uh, said that the waters had been so rough that no man could have survived going overboard. So, um, Hmm. 
Yeah, Larry Bader had been sucked in by the icy waters of the Rocky River, but four days after his disappearance, a a swanky charmer of a man (laughs) who looked an awful lot like Larry Bader, he entered the Round Table Bar in Omaha, Nebraska. This man gave his name as John Johnson, but but you can call me Fritz. (laughs) Larry. Yeah. Oh, you you fucking rascal, dude. (laughs) Yeah, the girl working at the bar, uh, a Mrs. Betty Augustine of Omaha, she remembers the moment well. She says he was fascinating, debonair, well-dressed, and not broke. (laughs) And he asked her out. Yes. But Mrs. Betty Augustine was just the first in a series of women to be charmed by Fritz. Uh, He went on to purchase an old hearse. Um, and he had it licensed in the city as a hunting vehicle. <laughs> he was hunting all right for that pussy. Did cougar hunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hers was equipped with a coffee bar. Oh my God. A bunch of pillows. And it, he had a fucking incense burner in there. <laughs> this fucking guy, dude. It's, it's like a mobile bachelor <laughs> pad, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, and he came to be known as like the oddball of Omaha. You know, he's an odd guy. Yeah. He sat on top of a flagpole for like a month. He just kept going and perching on top of a flagpole. That's odd. And he would like, you know, tell all of his friends these stories about his boyhood in Boston, how he he was an orphan. And, you know, he would tell them about his escapades in the Navy that he was in for 13 years. And that part was true. But uh, also as a hobby, he began keeping Siamese fighting fish that would eat each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So he's just like a weird fucking dude. A weird John Johnson. fucking guy. John Johnson just shows up. Dude, okay, here's the thing, though. It sounds like it would take some fucking time to develop this man, this personage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, doesn't seem like an overnight type of guy. There's a, there's a story behind John Johnson. Yeah. I mean, this, this Fritz fellow, like, where the fuck did you come from? Like, I do want to know who the fuck your parents were. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, God. Okay. Fritz had an injury and he decided that he would take up archery to strengthen his back muscles. Mm. It was, it was very impressive to all of his new friends because like he was really good at archery, which, you know, that that's in line with implicit memories, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. Even if he had forgotten his old identity, his archery built abilities might not go away. Sure. Um, yeah, he managed to win the Nebraska State Championship just five weeks after he, quote unquote, began training. Weird. Even though he, you know. Yeah. Had actually He'd been doing archery for many years. Many years. Well, in addition to being an award-winning archer, Fritz went on to become a radio station announcer. What the fuck? Sports director of a television station. And... Quite frankly, one of the best known and liked personalities in Omaha at the time. Everybody knew who he was. What's weird is, even though he broadcasted the news, he also hated the news. (laughs) He had a segment called um, Good News of the Day, where he would speak only of positive things. (laughs) I fucking love this guy. Yeah. He's great. Uh, Oh, sorry. Um, Our podcast is being interrupted by a very special broadcast. Who, 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 Henderson? Who, hello, and welcome to Good News of the Day. I'm your host, the ghost of who, who. <laughs> What's she doing here? 
Well, I haven't been wiped away by any tornadoes or storms, so I'm pretty happy. <gasps> Business is good here on the other side. Lots of ghosts need their dicks sucked. What the fuck are you <laughs> Everything's coming up, hoo-hoo. But since I subscribed to the Nonsense Bizarre Patreon for just five dollars, my life has gotten so much better. Hoo-hoo. Oh, thank you, hoo-hoo. That's the good news of the day? Yeah. She's doing well. That is good news. I'm that glad. Is, that is good news. I've wondered. Sucking all those dicks. All those ghost dicks. So now back to our regular... If you can program. suck ghost dicks too, if you subscribe <laughs> to Nonsense Bizarre Patreon. <laughs> Put some music under that. I don't know. Do sure, something. I'll do something with it. Do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> so Fritz Johnson got himself a wife, right? Yeah. Uh, the beautiful Nancy Zimmer. She's a 20-year-old divorcee and model. Really? Tw- at 20? Yeah, right? Fucking different time, dude. Different time. Fritz adopted Nancy's daughter by her previous marriage, and they went on to have a son of their own. Meanwhile... Larry Bader was declared legally dead in Akron, Ohio in uh, 1960. And Mary Lou Bader had since taken off her wedding ring and put it away, settling into the arduous task of raising four children by herself. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. You know, mourning her husband who went overboard. Yep. Like, body never found. At least he died doing what he loved. Yeah. You know how Fritz is, like, really good at archery? Yeah. So the Nebraska archery firm sent him over to a sports show in Chicago. And there was a guy there from Akron, Ohio, that ended up kind of recognizing. He like did a double take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that Larry motherfucking Bader? <laughs> Holy shit. His hair slicked like back. He's, he's got a mustache. Yeah. He's wearing a suit. So this guy actually knows Larry's brothers. So he immediately oh, calls them and tells them, you got to fly over to Chicago. Take a look at this Fritz guy. <laughs> yeah, that's their long lost brother. There's no doubt about it. You know, Fritz, he offers up his fingerprints willingly. Yeah. How does he react to all this? Uh, like he he doesn't. He says he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember at all. But, you know, he offers up his, his fingerprints. Does he remember where he was before showing up in Akron? No. Hmm. Like, I don't know if he has a, a story. Yeah. Backstory for that. Yeah, because it just seems like, he just, hey, man, where'd you come from to this weird small city? Just popped into a bar one day, the round table. With his hearse, and, and no one asked any questions. That it, It's implied that either no one ever asked this man a question. Yeah. Or they got a satisfying answer every time. Yeah, I'm guessing he, he was a charmer, man. He was debonair. It means he must have known he needed a story. Yeah. I don't know. He was probably spending some time coming up with this. I don't know. I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Well, sure enough, you know, when they got his fingerprints, they compared it with Larry Bader's from the Navy. They had his fingerprints. And yeah, it's the same fucking guy. Yeah, it's dead. Okay. So here's some points against the amnesia being real. We got the life insurance policy, right? Yep. The accidental death clause was just added in. That's a little weird. The incredibly common name, John Johnson. John Johnson. Yeah. Yep. The orphan backstory, that's quite convenient. You he had an orphan no, backstory? No family. Yeah, I yeah. know. He's a poor little orphan boy from Boston. <sighs> These things are all kind of... They're sus. Yeah. It's a little... They're fucking suspicious. Suspicious as hell. But... Also, I'd like to add, 
maybe in the 1950s, 1960, people looked at this guy selling appliances and was like, he's got a good career, happy life. Meanwhile, this motherfucker's wearing buckskin going out to the goddamn woods. He doesn't want to be selling appliances. No. He doesn't want to be raising four fucking kids. He wants to be out in the great fucking wilderness. He wants to be having a great adventure. Yeah. He feels trapped. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Right. So some some points in favor of his amnesia being real. Okay. If he was trying to escape this old life and be hidden, why would he have such a public facing career like to be a news broadcaster and have his face on the news? And that's a good point. Be so far out there. You know, he might have just been having fun with it, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, in 1960, he had a brain tumor removed. That might have affected his behavior. Oh, that's a good point. He could have indeed gotten injured in the- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have happened. He willingly gave his fingerprints. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. He he died of liver cancer not too shortly thereafter, which also can mess with your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, he died young of cancer, huh? Yeah. Hmm. So uh, upon the discovery of his identity, Fritz- leaves this archery event, hires a lawyer and goes back to Omaha where he undergoes a bunch of mental and physical tests. He like yeah. himself into the hospital. Mary Lou receives this news and she's basically shell-shocked. Yeah. She's quoted by the newspaper as saying that, well, the, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't recognize divorce and she wants a father for these kids. Mm. You will be held responsible. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. God damn it, Larry. So basically what happens is... uh. Fritz, or Larry, loses his jobs in Omaha, you know, his yeah. newscaster, radio, whatever, public personality, loses his marriage to Nancy because he can't be married to two people at once. Jesus. He's reduced to working in a bar. Most of his money is now going to support both Mary Lou and Nancy because they both have his kids. Oh, no. So he, his, all of his money is split up between these two families. And finally, in 1965, uh, Mary Lou and Larry are reunited but he continued to insist that he had no recollection of ever meeting her or marrying her or having a family with her. So basically, it's like, how can you be in love with someone that you don't well, yeah. know, that you have no recollection of knowing or meeting? There's no connection there. Oh, man. But I feel like there would be. Yeah. You, like a procedural memory type connection. You would think. Yeah, I did weird. find one news segment of a man who lost his memory and him and his wife like re-fell in love with each other. And it was a segment about like them rekindling their relationship after he had no idea who she was. Wild. I mean, that makes sense to me though. Yeah. Like, I, But like they had to basically start from ground zero. And at first yeah, he yeah. was freaked out by her. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like we have kids together. We share a bed. This is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Larry. Yeah. So I can't tell. A year after him and uh, Mary Lou are reunited and see yeah. each other, that's when he dies. No shit. That's it. So it's like, was he suffering from disassociative amnesia or did he fake his own death? Or does the truth lie somewhere in the middle? Oh. Like maybe he planned his disappearance but he had these neuropsychological problems that led him to eventually believing his own confabulated life story and identity. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean... Like, did he get so deep into the persona of Fritz that Larry just disappeared? Well, could, I wonder if the Tuma... The Tuma. If, if the Tuma could have... Um, been pressing on that frontal lobe or something. Could have been both the thing that made him 
decide to do something batshit crazy like fake his own death. Yeah. Then also believe the story. Like those are both, it could have the same right. cause. It's, it's the same type of uh, crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I guess faking your own, like that would be the start of a removing yourself from right. that life and that, that memory. So according to his grandniece that like commented on some YouTube video about him. Sure. Their family believes now that he truly did suffer from amnesia, but um, this girl who commented, his grandniece, her grandfather, who's Larry's brother, yeah, John, he believed that Larry was faking it. <laughs> but even on his deathbed, Larry insisted he could not remember anything. And of course, his deathbed was just, a, you know, a year later. Yeah. Later. I mean, you're not going to go back on that. Yeah. Never. You're take, yeah. You were literally taking that to the grave. Yep. <laughs> There's no point dropping that bomb on everyone and then peacing out. That's quite rude of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's wicked. That's... If your own brother doesn't fucking believe you. Yeah. Oh, that's a hard point against. I don't know. Yeah. You got to trust a brother, man. Although, I don't know. Yeah, I don't that's know. an interesting I, one. It's the the tumor and the cancer and the early death almost makes me side with the, the amnesia. Right. Also, I wonder if he knew he was dying. Yeah. And it was just like- he was just like, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm buying Whatever. a hearse. I'm sitting on a flagpole. He's had a I flagpole mean, for a while. Like what? That's, that's weird though. Like that's. The hearse is very like death centric. Yeah. Thing, yeah, know? it is. It is. That's what a weird story. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that actually at all. Uh, yeah. I like the theory that he maybe knew. Yeah. He was all fucked up and was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to buy a suit. He had a mustache. Yeah. Always wanted to be on TV. I'm going to marry this fucking 20-year-old model, knock her up. <laughs> and he did it. And he did it. I don't get weird with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Johnson. Fucking John Fritz Johnson. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, weird story. So this is going to be another case where uh, the wife gets the really shit end of the stick. Mm. It's on a, poor Mary Lou. Poor Mary Lou. Yeah. Fucking four kids runs out on her while pregnant. I mean, has to grieve a death. If he, while if going he through did. All that. If he did. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if he did or didn't, that's, I mean, it still sucks. Was. It still yeah. sucks. Yeah. And that blows. So we're about to meet another woman tortured by the disappearance of her loved one. Oh, uh, good. This woman's name is Christine Reinhardt. And she had the unfortunate experience of spending a lifetime looking for love. When she found it, it only took one fateful night to lose. Son of a bitch. I know. So I learned of this case after bringing up Amnesia to our pal Rob over at Our Strange Skies. Great podcast. Go check it out. Yes. Uh, And he referred me to this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which like, can we listen to the the theme song? The theme song for Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Have you ever heard it? Maybe. Oh, it's so fucking good for no reason. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Fucking great theme song. So Christine Reinhardt and Craig Williamson, um, they met in fall 1990. 
Uh, they both attended a weekend retreat at a, quote, Indian medicine wheel. Do you know what that means? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Like, I sort of... <clears throat> they said it's like a weekend of group meditations and sweat lodges, like stuff like that. But what does Indian medicine wheel mean? Like, I thought they were talking about a powwow. Yeah. You know? But I don't... I've never heard that before. Um, I feel weird saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's okay. Yes, it is. Because that's what they went to. I, I give you permission. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can say Jew anytime you want. Yep. <laughs> that's that's the deal we have. <laughs> so Craig asked Christine to dinner you Wait, know, is, after this. Sorry. Sorry. You're gonna have to repeat that. But is Jew a bad thing? No. <laughs> I thought Jew was I thought Jew was what, it, what you guys were called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what makes it. That's what makes it a funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give you permission <laughs> to say Jew. You already had it, but I'm giving you extra permission. Thank you. Yeah. As I bestow that upon you with my Jewishness, your mighty Jewishness. Um, <laughs> this is the weirdness I was talking about. Yep. I warned you guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so after their weekend at this retreat, Craig asked Christine to dinner and they share a kiss that changes their lives forever within the month they purchase rings at a pawn shop and get married Uh oh and oh my god there's footage from their wedding um and the kiss that they have is fucking ridiculous it's obvious that these two were very obsessed with one another it was very like hot passionate love he's like grabbing her ass and shit shit and this is the footage yeah i think this is it Play it anyway. Craig Williamson was nearly 46 and Christine Reinhardt 41 when they married 70. at Lake Tahoe. Yeah. It was a second marriage for both. Craig and Christine had known each other for only a month, but it was definitely a love match. Christine still speaks of their marriage in the present tense. Being married to Craig is... It may be a cliche to say it's like a honeymoon, but it really is because he's the most sincere, caring, loving person. I think the thing about Craig that is most endearing is his caring and nurturing attitude toward me. He's just wonderfully supportive, very loving. Yeah, so... That man's not 46, that man's fucking 70. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. He's a rough 46. That dude's 14 years older than me. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Do I look like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> the fear in your eyes as you ask that. <laughs> oh my God. Did you check out the kiss though? Oh yeah. 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 It was a fucking kiss. Yeah. So she's obviously very in love for him. At the time that this episode of Unsolved Mysteries is filmed, the they're still like searching for him. This is her searching okay. for him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so he disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Craig's gone missing, but but at this point in the story, you know, they, they've met, they marry within the month, they're going to live in Olympia for a little bit after that. Washington? Where Craig, um, yes, where Craig uh, fishes and dives for sea urchins, and you know what's interesting? Christine is a map maker. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. That's wicked cool. Yeah. So the next year, uh, after the first year that they're together, they purchase land in Wisconsin, which is, um, that was Christine's dream. Interesting. Weird dream. Yeah. But they're going to begin their dream life of farming fish and selling them to 
restaurants and grocers. Okay. Dream life, a farm and fish in Wisconsin. So they sink basically all the money that they have and then some into this venture. And they work really hard building up the business and setting up connections. Sure. Man's not 46. Craig and Christine bought a farm in Wisconsin, Christine's home state, and undertook an immediate renovation. They added onto the barn, installed large tanks, and began to raise an exotic and tasty African fish called tilapia. An exotic fish called Tilapia. Craig specially rigged an old school bus to transport the fish. On August 28, 1993, Craig Williamson loaded up and set off for Colorado, even though he was still experiencing headaches and blurred vision due to a concussion he had suffered four weeks earlier. Yeah. Four weeks earlier. So he's going to drive his school bus from Wisconsin to Colorado to go pick up some fish. Look, I'm looking at this dude right now. Yeah. He's 80. <laughs> He's getting old. He's so he looks- fucking old, dude. Yeah. This is an old man. Yeah. Maybe it's just the beard is pure. It's his whole beard is white. Yeah, it's it's the Santa Claus look. Yeah. Just saying, I don't trust this man. Because <laughs> he looks too. He looks. He's not he forty six. It's suspicious. It is. Yeah. So with demand for you know. His product growing, his exotic... The exotic African fish tilapia. Yes. 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 You know, Craig is... He's seeking out new suppliers. He finds this woman, Eileen Kerr. She's mm. the owner of a fish farm out in Colorado, which is where he's he's going. Yeah. On his school bus. Even though he had a concussion and his head has been hurting. But he's the type of guy that when he's all fucked up, he doesn't really say anything to anyone about it. He just kind of soldiers through. Might be why he's 46 and looks 80. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's going to go out to buy some stock from Eileen Kerr. And she recalls him as being, you know, just a big teddy bear. Aww. Yeah. Uh, and also what stands out, she said, was his devotion to his wife. You know, whenever Craig was around her, she noticed that he always called his wife like two or three times a day. Said Slightly he, suspicious. He was so much in love with that lady. That's a little suspicious. Is it? It's in the days before texting. That's true. Yeah, and you only get a phone. Yeah. So often you don't got the cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So on August 28th, 1993, Craig left for what would be his last trip to Eileen Kerr's fishery. Mm. He was going to buy stock, and he was also going to stop to shop around for some generators to provide backup power for his farm. Mm. His search for equipment is what brought him to Colorado Springs where he stayed at the Super 8 Motel. He said he was on his way to return his rental car, and he asked his wife to call him at 5.30 the next morning so he could get an early start home in the converted school bus. So he's he's on the phone with her. He's like, yeah, Christine, I'm going to go drop off the car. You know, wake me up tomorrow. Yeah. That was the last time that they spoke. Mm. The next day, Christine, uh, she rings the phone three times, and no answer. Yeah. So she asked the desk clerk to, you know, go check on my husband. Yeah, yeah. He said he wanted to be up early. You know, it's important that he gets up early. But the bed hadn't even been slept in. Hmm. Well, Christine called the police immediately, but she was told that she had to wait 24 hours before making a missing persons report. Yep, yep. Because, you know. That's that's the procedure from what Standard. Craig was a thousand miles away from the farm in Wisconsin when he disappeared in Colorado Springs. The next day, his credit cards were discovered at a market in El Paso, Texas, 675 miles south. 
Two weeks later, in Juarez, Mexico, <laughs> just across the border from El Paso, Craig's rental car was found abandoned. Once again, there were no signs of foul play. Juarez, Mexico, yeah? Yeah. It's a straight line to Juarez, this 46-year-old man. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Craig Williamson became an official missing person on Wednesday, September 1st. And, you know, like the wonderful narrator Robert Stack said, authorities found his rental car two weeks later in Juarez, Mexico. Well, Christine theorized that her husband was um, attacked behind his motel by robbers who probably took his credit cards and money in the car and that, you know, he was probably hit on the head and coupled with the earlier concussion that he had, you know, lost his memory. Right. And, you know, he, he probably just got on a train and was heading heading somewhere. Sure. So, yeah, she didn't have any evidence for that whole concocted scenario in her head. But in her heart, she knew it to be true. And she set off on her quest to find him. Yeah. I'm sorry, lady. Yeah, you're going to waste a lot of time. (laughs) He's gone. He gone. Okay. I truly believe that Craig walked up to his rental car and that someone came up behind him and hit him on the head. And this is completely in in keeping in character with Craig is that he'd get up and wouldn't go in and say, I'm hurt, help me. He'd think, I have to get on with things. I, you know, I have to be doing something. I'm supposed to go somewhere. I have to get back. And he would wander toward the bright lights of the uh, parking lot and then the interchange. And he wandered off from there. Over the past week, Williamson's wife, Chris. Ooh, that's yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really sad. And then Unsolved Mysteries does this weird thing where they have Christine herself. And they always do this on Unsolved Mysteries where they have the people who went through these things mm-hmm. participate in the reenactions. So, yeah. Weird. So Christine's going to reenact um, going to see her husband's hotel room. Like with the hotel clerk showing her around. Okay. Um, it's a very weird staged interaction. It's just, it's worth checking out. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, Ms. Reinhardt, uh, this is where your husband stayed in room 112. It's the washroom here. Uh, all the stuff was in here, and he had a book here on the sink. Thank you. Okay, this is the room he stayed in. <laughs> Over there on his chair was his luggage. Uh, it was unpacked and open. Uh, the bed was made. Uh, looked like it was not slept in. Yep. Had there been any um, like signs of struggle in the room? No sign of struggle at all. It looked like uh, <laughs> someone just left and walked out. That's a really weird interaction. Yeah, it's probably fucking weird for her to... Why are they making her do that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, mm. This poor woman. Yeah, so she's just doing her damnedest to search all around, asking all around. She's a good good person to do it, too, being a map maker and all. That, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, on September 15th, so this is two weeks after he's officially declared a missing person. Okay. There's a lucky break in the case when a retired nurse named Judy Inman 
Uh, saw a man resembling Craig Williamson on the train. Mm. Same. Judy Inman believes she saw Craig Williamson looking dazed and disheveled two weeks after he disappeared. Judy was on a train traveling from Montana through Washington State, where Craig and Christine had first met. When he first got on the train, these two drunks, they just kept harassing him. I was just wishing they'd all three shut up, you know, so we could get some sleep. Well, when he walked up the aisle, he didn't say anything. But there was something that he wanted. I gotta get back to the fish. <laughs> he kept talking about this fish that he had to go pick up. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about this big building that had these big, huge tanks in it where they kept the fish. How are you gonna catch this fish? These two drunk guys asked him, well, where do you have to go to catch that fish, you know? And he said, well, you wouldn't find a fish like that around here. He said, in fact, you wouldn't find a fish like that in the United States. Hey, hey, hey. it's my jacket. Oh. Oh. I gotta get back to the fish. That man definitely had something wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get back to the fifth. I mean, I suppose in the early 90s, tilapia wasn't that... I guess it wasn't. I had no idea. I had no idea that tilapia was such a, a, a new fish on the scene. It's cheap. Yeah. And abundant. Yeah. Farm it easily. Yeah. So, wait a minute. Yeah, so Judy Inman sees... A guy that looks an awful lot like Craig talking about it, he's got to get back to the fish. I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound that uncommon in that area of the country, Montana, Washington. You'll see some old disheveled yeah. Santa Claus looking motherfuckers talking about how they got to get back to fishing. Yeah. Talking about some fish no one else has ever seen before. Right. Happens all the time. So here's the thing. He's got to get back to the fish. He does have to get back to the fish. But Christine's got to get back to her man. Yeah. I packed up everything that I would need, packed up a suitcase for Craig in the outside chance I would find him, and went to look for him. Christine set off on a six-week odyssey, paralleling Judy Inman's train route from Whitefish, Montana to Portland, Oregon. She photographed every train station along the way. On December 26, 1993, Christine met Judy Inman in person for the first time and showed her the photographs. This is another one of the train yard. There's really nothing much around there. It's pretty empty. Then there's this That's one. It, there. You think this is the one? That's the one where he got off. Because it was a, a small building? Yeah, it was small, and it was this color. This is the one where he got off. Judy had identified Wishram, Washington, near the Oregon border. Christine believes Craig might have mistaken Wishram for Washougal, a town where he had lived in the 1980s. Craig's son plastered the area with this poster, but no new clues surfaced. Yeah. If Christine turns out to be correct about any of this, I'm going to be pissed <laughs> because she's just jumping to very hopeful and naive conclusions. Yes. That dude's not 46. Yeah, well, detectives okay. uh, were suspicious, too. Yeah, thank like, God. The detectives really didn't do anything to help in this case because they were like, yeah, he's either dead or hiding. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Detective John Carroll of the Los Angeles Police Department uh, called Christine's 
theory a very, very big long shot. Yeah. But obviously that that didn't stop her. No, no, no. Uh, She just kept going around to all sorts of homeless shelters searching for him. (laughs) Just wandering the country, her and her two dogs. Exploring every dead end. Every time someone would call her and be like, hey, I just saw a disheveled looking man that kind of looks like Craig. He just wandered in here and she'd rush over there and another dead end. Yeah. Just constantly on this wild goose chase. Yeah. Because honestly, she doesn't fucking want to go home. No. Because the second she goes home, she's alone. She's without him. And the search ends. Yeah. As long as she she's searching, there's it stays alive. Yep. I mean, I understand that. You know? Yeah. So like, yeah, she doesn't have to think of the the future, what the future is actually like, as long as she's just continuing the search. Or or the likely conclusion that she got conned. Yeah. Right. Like, is that it's it's that's more likely than him being dead. Right. It's also tough to face. Uh, Horrible to face. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely terrible to drive back here after looking for Craig for the six weeks that I did, this place was so cold and empty. And everywhere I look, there you know, things remind me of Craig all the time. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking sad. Yep. Um, and honestly, she's the only reason why he was ever found. Yeah. Because he saw the segment. Craig saw the segment. In July of 1995, he was apparently alive in Key West, Florida, working as a diver. Key West? Yeah. Okay. He's a diver in Key West. And he lost his memory after being assaulted at a bar or convenience store. He can't really remember. Right. He was assaulted. And, uh, yeah. In an article from uh, 1995, close to when this bombshell broke, Christine Reinhardt says... I'm in no position to talk about it. I'm in shock. We're trying to keep it a private matter until we resolve some issues. Craig is in a very delicate emotional state. She described him as having extremely impaired memory and acting very paranoid and scared. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, the marina assistant manager, Bob Ming, where Craig was working in Florida, he said of Craig, I thought he was a very good employee, but toward the end, he had a bit of trouble with his head. He said he had been beat up and was lost in the desert for two weeks. He had a girlfriend, but nothing serious. He quit about two weeks ago. Weird. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of his pattern, you know? Oh, just quitting and disappearing. I I guess, but if he, did he tell him that before seeing the segment? Like, I don't know. If if he did, then that means like. Craig started acting weird after he saw the segment. Obviously could be. He's like, I got to fucking. Yeah. And then concocted a story that fit with the wife's suspicions so that she wouldn't be pissed. Right. I don't know. I don't know. know. So Craig Williamson, when he spoke to officials, he told them that when he had gone missing, he was beaten severely and woke up in a hospital with a wristband that had the name Ron on it. And later he just was riding buses and trains around aimlessly before finally just settling in Key West is what he said. Which, I mean, fits with yeah. what that funny-voiced woman said. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So, Christine and Craig do reunite. You know, they travel to Colorado Springs together, hoping that maybe something there would jog his memory of yeah. the night that he went missing. 
but it's an unsuccessful trip. Basically, they decide to divorce and just remain friends. And uh, Craig moves to California to stay with friends and Christine moves to Wyoming to start life anew. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably like I would just I would expect something like that. Right. You know, sucks. You would. Yeah. So the sheriff captain, uh, Lou Smith, who helped in the investigation, he's another one of those people that questions. Yeah. You know, Yeah. is this is this legit? The abandoned rental car contained whiskers from Williamson's beard and lab technicians found that those whiskers had been cut with scissors. But, you know, he could have just been trimming his beard in the car. Yeah. Like, that's not. Yeah, that's not that bad. <laughs> that's not necessarily suspicious. Yeah. But, you know, the investigators and detectives, they believed that he was trying to run from, you know, this new life, this new business, the debts that he had gained by sinking all of this shit into the fish farm. Like, it seems like a very manic thing to do. You go to this fucking medicine wheel retreat. You do this sweat lodge. You fall in love in a weekend. You buy rings at the pawn shop. You're in love. You buy property together. You take out all sorts of huge fucking oh, loans. It's a colossal fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad decision. Yeah. Bad moves all around. Like, did it just get to be too much? He could have been a successful tilapia farmer in Wisconsin. How is no one mentioning that this motherfucker is not 46? Yeah. Audience, look this shit up. I'm telling you, there's no way. <laughs> there's no I know fucking 60-year-olds who look 10 years younger than this piece of shit. Yeah, you know, it's- it He looks exactly like my 80-year-old uncle. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> um, didn't hit me that he was 46. 46. That's so I thought good. he was older, yeah. Yeah. She looks older than 46. She looks good. She does, but like she's not 46. I don't know. It's There's an elephant in the room. Yeah. And you know what they say about elephants? Elephants never forget. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. That's yeah, very good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So what do we think about Craig? Is his case... What do we think about his amnesia? I think it's bullshit. Mm. I think it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. I think he heard he, he saw the segment i don't know the only thing that bothers me is judy with the funny voice hearing a dude talk about uh a, gotta get back to the fish but like but also that's totally something that could come out of a dude riding the trains in fucking montana and washington's oh, yeah. mouth right oh yeah definitely you gotta get, like that's what a drunk dude who likes fishing would say got to get back to the fish fishing's great out there yeah <laughs> I'm hoping to go next summer. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that one. I like that the um the sheriff captain, like, he says, well, there's no crime here. <laughs> people can just disappear and cause a lot of work for a lot of people if they want to. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> he, he true. Did. Yep. He sure did. I, mm, you know what? Juarez and Key West are always suspicious. Yeah. And that dude's not 46. That's my, that's my take on it. What if the the fish farming was just a front for um what if he was transporting drugs in that school bus? He could have been. Dude drives a fucking converted school bus too. Yeah. He's a suspicious. Yeah, he's suspicious. He's a suspicious guy. He's a suspicious guy. He's I mean, dude, here's the here's why calling your wife three times in the early nineties a day is is strange. Cause you're only able to do it. It's not like it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like just something you do, you know, you talk for Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You have to take time out of your day to make sure you're at a place with a phone. Right. right? 
it's it's not something you just habituate into into doing. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. I wasn't around in any real capacity at the time. I was only three years old, 1993. So listeners older than that, if you were around, did is does, does that make as little sense as it as it does to me? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, amnesia was also a really big trope in the 90s, especially in like soap operas. And there's a lot of amnesia cases featured on Unsolved Mysteries, which is also huge at the time. Yeah. It's kind of just like a big thing. Well. In in movies, too. Yeah. Well, faking your death is a crime, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Should be. Faking your death, but not just disappearing. Not just disappearing. Disappearing? Yeah. And it seems like the amnesia shit might have seemed like a, just a get out of jail. Yeah, cop out. I I trust Craig less than I I trust John Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, poor Christine. Yeah, that sucks. Like she didn't ask for any of that. She thought she'd found the love of her life. Nope. Nope. Think again. They always disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them, every time. Yep. God. It's my lived experience. Well, we're going to talk about someone with a worse lived experience. Really? Yep. His name's Benjamin Kyle, a.k.a. Burger King Doe. Oh, yep. That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this dude's probably America's best known amnesia victim. He starred on Dr. Phil and like a bunch of other various news outlets to see if anybody could recognize him. Is starred really the right Right term. Yes, he was a All star. Right. <laughs> celebrity. He's a celebrity homeless man that has has nothing to his name. Sick. Because he doesn't have a name. Because he doesn't exist. Because he has no social security number, so you don't exist. So, uh, but he goes by Benjamin Kyle. Okay. Also known as Burger King Doe. Burger King Doe. Yeah. On August 31st, 2004 at 6 a.m., the managers at a Georgia Burger King... Found a nude, unconscious dude covered in ant bites uh, laying outside by the dumpsters. He had no wallet or any other belongings for that matter. Um, Paramedics summoned to the scene reported that the man was badly sunburned and had been beaten, perhaps with a blunt object. He had three depressions in his head. His body was covered with fire ant bites. He had no knowledge of his name or identity and was blind with cataracts, only able to see shapes. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So here's a uh, here's Benjamin Kyle, BK Doe, talking about this on the uh, Dr. Phil show. The cleaning woman at the Burger King found me just before they opened, so it was about 6 a.m. in the morning. The day is pretty hazy to me. I don't remember too much about it. I was unconscious. I had uh, ant bites all over me, beaten. I have no idea how I got there. I don't I don't remember anything about it. I had no memory of my name, uh, my parents, relatives. I don't even know where I work. We arrived on the scene, found a man laying down on the right side. He was totally naked. Uh, he was unresponsive. Uh, when I looked at him, uh, he had a lot of sores on him. I remember being in the ambulance. Uh, I remember an EMT uh, pinching me. People were asking me questions uh, or practically yelling at me. I think they were trying to get a response. Well, when he was first found, he yeah. appeared homeless. And- Dude, the pacing on Dr. Phil is so manic. It's so fast. Oh. It's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, it makes my head spin. Yeah. So since there was already a John Doe admitted to the hospital... Uh, he was dubbed Burger King Doe. I hate this country. And yeah, I know. 
Um, <laughs> he formed his new name around the initials BK, which he saw like on his bracelet. And he felt a sense of familiarity with the name Benjamin Kyle. Benjamin, not Benjamin. Benjamin? Benjamin. Yeah, it's with two A's in it. Not Benjamin. It's like spelt his own. He It felt good that way. All right. Yeah. So um, Benjamin Kyle spent a spent time in a series of hospitals, both medical and psychiatric, including uh, seven months in a medical care facility for the indigent. The indigent? I had to look up that word today. What does it mean? It means like the needy. The the people that need shit? Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. It's a weird word. Nowhere else to go. Yeah, okay. So, you know, like paupers. Yeah, he can't see. Yeah. He doesn't even know who he is. He He's all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh he spent some time in a homeless shelter, which was very traumatic for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's just a blind dude suffering from amnesia. Like yep. that's fucking Yeah, it's terrifying. You can't even see your own reflection to like check Oh God. Are. Yeah. Oh, that's so, fucked. In two thousand five, a charitable organization arranged for cataract surgery to restore Benjamin's sight. Mm-hmm. And um, for a week after the surgery, his vision was still blurred. But then one day, while shaving, his sight returned. Oh no! And for the first time ever, he saw his own face, and was shocked to see a face that he had never seen before because oh, it was man. way older than he thought it would be. Holy shit! He did not recognize himself. Oh, that's scary as fuck. Yeah. I didn't see a mirror until a week after the operation. Got up that morning and, and my vision had finally cleared up. I started to shave and I just couldn't believe how old I looked because I felt, I mean, I looked like an old man compared to how I felt. Jeez, Jesus. the gray hair, bags under the eyes. I didn't feel that old. I, I didn't think I should be that old. <laughs> the fucking music. I hate Dr. Phil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I do too. Yeah, you watch a lot of it. <laughs> I do. I watch it uploaded on YouTube. Yes. Yes. By this one channel, Pepperoni Pizza. So if you ever need any full Dr. Phil episodes, I don't. Pizza is the place to go. So after his appearance on the Dr. Phil show in 2007, the public continued to try and assist him because, like, that appearance didn't do anything. You would think. Yeah. Like, yeah, someone would fucking know him. The thing that sets him apart from the other guys. Is he's like, who am I? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> like, he doesn't know who he is. That's son of a bitch. Yeah. It's so simple. Like. He gives a shit. If you have amnesia, you don't just like assume a whole other identity. All right. Like. <laughs> They're both bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> you still fucking like remember, you know? Wow. Yeah. So. So Benjamin, his story's picked up by the National Enquirer, NPR, TV stations, newspapers, all around the country and internationally. Okay. And still nobody fucking knows who this fucking man is. What? Nobody has any idea, which is very depressing to him. Yeah. He's sad about this. He's like, why doesn't anyone know who I am? That's, doesn't anyone care about me? That's fucking wild, like, dude. Do I exist? If nobody knows who you are, do, are you? who are you? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and you know, without a birth certificate or, or a social security number, you can't get a driver's license. You can't work. You can't like apply to live anywhere. Homeless shelters don't even allow you to stay there if you don't have an ID a lot of the time, which is fucked up because yeah. like, what? That's <laughs> you right. You can't open That's a bank account. Up. Yeah. So do you want to read this quote from him? Sure. 
I can only try to imagine what it might feel like to have a family, as I have no memory of ever having a family or being part of a family. As far as my memory is concerned, I have no idea what it feels like to have a name and a sense of belonging to something bigger than myself or someone other than myself. I need your help if I'm to have a name and a family and that sense of belonging. So fucking depressing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that episodic autobiographical memory, gone. Yeah. T- totally gone. But has acquired skills remained intact. Mm. Benjamin Kyle was found to have extensive knowledge of how the restaurant and food preparation business works, how to operate machinery. Interesting. So probably worked at a restaurant. Sure, yeah. He also managed to recognize certain landmarks from Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Uh, others used that data to conclude that he probably lived there somewhere around the late 50s to 60s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his spotty but detailed recollection of certain parts of the University of Colorado campus suggests that maybe he went there. There's no evidence to confirm that he was a student there, but maybe he hung out on the campus. He went to the library so he could remember stuff from that. Yeah, yeah. So, um... But that's that's odd. Yeah. Hmm. So thanks to a forensic genealogist named Colleen Fitzpatrick, the mystery of Benjamin's identity began to unravel. Uh-oh. So Colleen had worked on a team attempting to solve the Amelia Earhart disappearance. Yeah. Um, she found a living relative of Fred Noonan, who was Amelia Earhart's navigator. Yeah. Pushed with her into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and through DNA evidence, she found like this DNA link to remains found on Gardner Island in the Pacific. And these, these remains were linked to Noonan, which then established, you know, that they might they probably crashed somewhere on or near Gardner Island. So yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. An established person, this Colleen Fitzpatrick, sure. and she does the same process for Benjamin, like find trying to figure out who his living relatives are, who what last names, people in what region might be connected to him. Yeah, and she finds uh, this distant relative with the surname Powell, and just like that, he cuts off communication with her for unknown reasons. Whoa. Yeah. But then in 2015, a few years later, uh, Benjamin Kyle announces on Facebook that he had been identified but wanted to keep it a secret for now. Okay. Fair enough. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. But then a year later, he reveals his true identity to the public. Turns out he was born William Burgess Powell on August 29th, 1948 in Lafayette, Indiana, where he was also raised. Okay. In 1976, William Burgess Powell... Benjamin Kyle, the name that he's more comfortable with now. Yeah, yeah. He prefers Benjamin now. He abruptly moved to Boulder, Colorado and cut ties with his family, abandoned his possessions, including his car and the trailer where he had been living. And his family uh, filed him as a missing persons. And social security records show that he worked various jobs until around 1983. And then just nothing exists of him until 2004 when he wakes up by that dumpster. What? Yeah. What? Well, what? So. So something tells me he was running from his life. Like he didn't probably there might have been part of him like he wanted to find his family, obviously. But then it's like once he started getting close and maybe when he heard the last name, some memories came back and he remembered why he'd like left his family. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I can only make my best guesses. Yeah, I mean. But I think that. God, I don't know. We probably ended up as a vagrant. Yep. Um, probably got into trouble. Mm-hmm. Probably got real hurt. Yeah. That's like that's probably how he lost his memory, and it does seem Definitely. like he did. Yeah. 
He could have been a piece of shit. Could have been. You don't know. Like, but then like, why didn't people recognize him? Why didn't anyone, why wasn't anyone like, I know that guy. Yeah. I mean, isn't that weird? You would think that like people would be like, oh yeah, I recognize. Well, he resurfaced in 2004. Yeah. That's so long to just be fucking around. Time warp. Yeah. Yeah. Did he rip Van Winkle himself? Just napping in the desert for 30 years. That's why he's got all those amplates. Because he was found, he wasn't there during the night shift. Like he was found in the morning behind the dumpster, but he wasn't there that night. The night shift workers said that they would have seen him and he wasn't there. So he must have like shown up there in the morning. I don't know about all this. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. The Benjamin Kyle one is a fascinating one. That's fucking bizarre, dude. Yeah. There's a lot that's real strange about that. Yeah. Yeah. 76 to 2004. 83 to 2004. 83 to 2004. Wait. That's when social oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shows him not working anymore. Right. So, yeah. 80, 20 years of just of being a vagrant, I guess. I yeah. Mean, he had to, that's just he had to have been a drifter. Seems likely. And I mean, it's not like I don't watch Dr. Fucking Phil. Right. You know, like not everyone watches Dr. Phil. Not everyone listens to NPR and all this right. shit. Right. Like also people end up looking different. Yeah. Don't know, like he could have had a really sheltered life, could have had a really abusive life. He could have been abusive himself. He could have. Oh, yeah. God knows how he looked when he was younger. Right. Versus, you know, two decades later. Yeah. Two days later. God knows what. A lot can happen in 20 years. It's also really interesting that he thought he should be younger. Yeah. That's something else that I found when I was looking into cases of like memory problems is people who will wake up one day. And just be like, holy fuck, I thought I was 15. What do you mean I have a I have a husband and kids? I mean, I'm pretty sure that happens to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that would be frightening. Someone catch me up. What did did I do for the last 15 years? And I can very much see this being as like having a psychological component to it as well. Yeah. Uh, That repression of self, that repression of your past. Well, he had that dents in his fucking head. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Three depressions in the head. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll, that'll do it. He got he got knocked oh, around a bit. Do it. Don't know why. Mm. We don't know when. Yeah. Like, were they fresh wounds? Could he could he have been just wandering around, just some fucking guy for years? I don't know. I don't know. I truly don't know. Okay, so this brings us to the hermit reversed, which to me like couldn't be a more perfect card for this because that's like. All of these people that we've talked about today are people that are on the outskirts. Yeah. People that have, like, disappeared themselves. Yeah. You know? Like, no matter which way you cut it, I think all three of these men were running from something. And the the brain injuries, the head injuries just line up with that. Yeah. Just are a natural consequence of the, the lifestyle that they're living, perhaps. But there seems to be this pattern of, you know, not wanting to confront something. Yeah. Um, Craig's a bullshit artist. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's um, the way that they met the the whole like being a person that's that's gone through a manic episodes. The concussion really strikes me as a series of. Yeah. The concussion was a setup. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, because Christine said that, you know, for a couple of weeks, he would walk around going, ah, my my head hurts. Yeah. You know, he's the type of guy who didn't want to go to the doctor, probably. Right. Yeah. She would catch him taking Advil. Like, OK, 
I think she's also crafting a narrative in her head to give him the most leeway. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so to think, like, the Hermit is an interesting card. It is. The leave associated with the Hebrew letter Yod. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a very, it can be a very positive card. Yeah, uh, was sort of what it, it's, it's uh, I've, I've seen it referred to as one of, like, the three trumps that deal with um, masculine force. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of about, you haven't seen Lord of the Rings. No. But everyone else has. When fucking Gandalf is falling off the bridge, and he, or when he decides to fall off the bridge and tells Frodo, fly you fools, and he just fucking meteors down there to fight the Balrog on his own, he knows he has to do that shit. He's an old man who has to do this fucking thing on his own. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of what the Hermit's about. It's about, it's, a, it's the, the dude with experience. You know, and not necessarily, dude, it's, it's a masculinity, but that doesn't necessarily mean man or woman, but it is funny that we talked about three old dudes yeah. or, or one young dude. Right. It's just kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but just the, the sort of the, I have to synthesize all my knowledge and wisdom and go do this, this thing that only I can do right. by myself. Reverse, it's very interesting, especially with fucking Benjamin Kyle. Yeah. Because he's not synthesizing that shit. Oh, Yoda also is, um, I believe it's the hand. Right. Right. So it is, it's the, I have to, I have to physically put my hand in there. I have to go do this thing. I have to hold the lantern. And Mm -hmm. Benjamin Kyle doesn't have that wisdom and life experience. Right. He's just there on his own. He just exists. With his skills. Yeah. That's it. But no past, no wisdom, no remembrances of human emotions and connections and shit. He's a, mm-hmm. but a babe in the woods. Yeah. Rather than the old man in the woods. Right. And what like what do you do with that? What do you what do you make of yourself in that situation? What did he make of himself? Like I we probably don't know because he's probably just trying to Yeah, I don't he's, he's probably just trying to be normal now. Yeah, he's probably working in a bar or something. Yeah, I mean, he like, probably got himself a job. It's it's nice to think that it that it works out well for him, but it probably doesn't. Yeah. Realistically. Cause that's a hard place to find yourself. Like I, I feel like on your own, you need that wisdom and life experience. Right. Like, well, I don't know what I would do without having learned the lessons that I have. Yeah. I, I'd probably make the same mistakes again. Yeah. And if I had to make a guess as to, you know, Craig Williamson's past, I would probably guess that there's a pattern of him taking on, you know, enormous fantastical projects coming up with these great ideas, probably meeting women, falling very quickly, very fastly in love with them. And then it burns out quickly. You think he falls in love with them? I think he takes their life savings. Yeah. Moves to fucking Key West. Yeah. Well, he he falls in love with grabbing their asses during your romantic. um, He does love that. Um, (laughs) Like, I would just guess that that's probably in his pattern. And when you've been doing that for decades, it's probably really easy to just shut off that like okay that chapter's closed that relationship's done onto the next yeah 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 he's a he's an example of literally the reverse hermit he's not a hero right like yeah. if, if this narrative we're concocting is true right which you know it's just us bullshitting then it's it's like he is taking his like wisdom and lived experiences but like he's not doing a good thing with it no <laughs> <laughs> he's just telling bitches he's 46 no, and he's, just taking their money he's using it to to push the entire outside world away and crafting his own reality. Yeah. You know, yeah. Against the forces of everything until it's confronted with him on fucking national TV and he's sitting at the laundromat and sees unsolved mysteries playing and it's like, oh my God, I guess I have to deal with that. <laughs> then he just does. 
Yeah. And, you know, fucking John Johnson, Fritz. Yep. I mean, what if he knew he was dying? Look, I mean, I guess he probably wouldn't because it was years before. Maybe he knew something was wrong. Yeah. Maybe something was wrong. Maybe not. Maybe he was just like, I can't. I'm 30. I'm living like a fucking, I'm living like Craig Williamson's age. Yeah. Uh, I got to go out I don't want bang. I don't want to sell blenders. Appliances. Yeah. I want to go fucking climb a flagpole. Right. Buy a hearse, grow a mustache. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, I don't know. That seems fairly reasonable. Yes. If wrong. Yeah, it is wrong because there there was no way for him to honestly do it without being on the hook to his old family. And he decided that he didn't he didn't want to do it the honest way, if that's what he if did. the narrative we're concocting yes. is true. Yeah. I mean, in his case, I, th- I feel like it might be a, a, a more complicated yeah. explanation. Yeah, I think his a, truth lies somewhere in the middle. Between yeah. Lying to himself and also like having brain problems. Yeah. I also think sometimes weird, weird things just happen that like you're just never really going to get. Yeah. Just a strange anomalous freak <sighs> convergence of factors. Yep. You know, that'll never happen again. And, right. and just happened that one time. Dude turned a hearse into a fucking shagging wagon. I like it. that's. I love it. I bet it was really cool. That would have impressed me. That <laughs> yeah. would have got me. I mean, you know. I gotta say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't dog him for that because it, it's a cool thing to do. Yep. Climbing a flagpole every day, not so much. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's odd. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Well, that's my episode on amnesia. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Uh, terrifying, mm. but interesting nonetheless. 46. There's just, just no way. Just, I, I'm not going to be able to get over that. We'll have to post a picture of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm going to use that for the, the poster. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking Christ. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. You can also support the Nonsense Bazaar on Patreon. Who? Who <laughs> Henderson says, give us your fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patreon, <laughs> Patreon.com slash the nonsense bazaar, $5 a month. Get access to our bonus series, the Corkboard Bazaar, where we go more in depth into our research and the things we're working on and, you know, kind of the what leads us there, like the, what's happened in our lives and shit like that. It's a fun time. We talked about Tetris last episode. Talked about my poop. Sorry about that. A little, you little talked bit. about your poop in Patreon episode number three, though. Did I? Yes, you did. So now we're even. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's worth talking about. Now we're even. Now we're even. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Take care. Bye. Peace out.